0: To claim your free welcome bonus, that's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DGW Void prohibited by loss. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers
0: is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna.
1: Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to, right now.
2: Welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast. Hi. Hello. The podcast that's still wearing a face covering. Like the so-called do-gooders that we are.
3: <laughs> Damn right, we'll never change.
2: No, not at all. And of course, I live in Wales, where you have to keep wearing them quite a bit anyway. So you do have that thing you've got to remember which shop you've gone to and, and which part of the world you're in, because I, I cross the border quite a bit.
1: Mm.
3: Well, you know you just totally cut out there so whatever you said was really entertaining i would have agreed with in some way but i just didn't hear any of it well that's true maybe that's
2: that's how we should do this now like question time no matter what's being said we all just say the same thing
3: (laughs) yeah 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 we've got our points that we need to get across and we're going to get them across so
2: what... what i said was is that i sometimes have to go backwards and forwards into england because of where i live
3: We went are we, again. You've got start mean, this again. I don't know what's happening. There we go. Oh, gremlins. Oh, anyway.
2: Yeah. Hey, I'm plugged in directly into my router now, and I've got uh, full fiber coming to the house. So, this I've can't be anything to do with me.
3: I know I've, I've never had this issue before. So,
2: no, I know a thing that's the day that I met you. Yeah. And that is the first S Club Seven reference of the episode, oh, ladies and gentlemen. It I can't pretend it'll See. be the last one, but it, but it was in there anyway. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we're still wearing masks. Yes. That fell flat on his fucking face because Josh couldn't hear a word I was saying. So there you go. No,
3: oh yeah, I'm still wearing masks. I was, felt like I was the only person in London still wearing a mask yesterday. It was fucking. I mean, in horrifying. England, I was in
2: the caring well, they've completely given up the ghost. Whereas in Wales, at least, you know, there is the government are still telling you to do it of sorts. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went on the tube yesterday, uh, to a major sporting event and back, and pff, I mean, it was. I know they're saying that like mass sporting events are not proving to be, like, super spreader things, but I think that was probably, I think, as a nation, England is testing that theory a little bit harder than I'd like it to right now. <laughs> when most of the fans get to and from a game on public transport, it's a bit, I don't know, maybe I just haven't been out for a year, which is true to be fair. I haven't been out for two years.
2: (laughs) That's probably more to do though. I'm glad you, I'm glad you walked yourself to your own conclusion there. Yeah, yeah,
3: you you know, maybe it's that.
2: (laughs) So hello everybody. Hi. We're on live on the uh, on the, on the live stream. For those of you who have joined us, uh, the huge numbers that join us, so lovely to Absolutely. see you. Well, we can't see you. I'm sure it's very lovely that you can no. see us. But either way, here we are. So I'm Lee. Hello, over there is hello. I'm
3: Josh. You know that.
2: Uh huh. Uh-huh. So well, we can. Che- well, what you've been up to? Because we know you've just given a bit of it. Where you went to? You went to as they would say. Like, you went to then <sighs>
3: NFL yesterday, yeah, went down to uh, to the new fancy Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to watch. Uh... To watch the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Miami Dolphins, it's sort of—I
2: mean, that's not a high—not a, not a high quality. Uh, they don't exactly yeah, if, send you know, the AKA Jack games over, do they?
3: In rugby, no, they don't. In rugby terms, it was very much Worcester versus London Irish, <laughs> in that neither team particularly deserved to win in any way, shape, or form. And in the end, to be honest with you, I was just glad that one team did in normal time because it really looked <laughs> until the last few seconds like we might get overtime and. Let me tell you, getting from Tottenham to London Paddington on a Sunday is not easy. It's not easy at all. And if you'd have added overtime to that, I probably would have missed my train. name. So, you know, that was (laughs) my biggest takeaway was it finished in regulation. Yeah. Uh, Michael Nixon says, Josh, I haven't been out for two years. Also, Josh, I went to the NFL yesterday with 70,000 other people. It's (laughs) fucking weird, isn't it? It's fucking weird to go from the largest gathering that I think I'd been in in a sort of enclosed space was probably about five or six people mainly for like almost of whom I was blood related to mm. to li- to being on a tube train that literally had as many human beings as you can physically fit in a tube train. Go! It's just weird, man. Like... Yeah, it's weird.
2: What's the nearest tube station to uh, what would have been White Hart Lane? Just called something else now.
3: Um, they've got um, White Hart Lane over on the overground. That's the only way to get there, really. Or there's um, another one that's a British Rail Anglia thing. And um, but so oh, both of them. So... It's it's basically it, if that's how far out it is, that's how much of a pain in the arse it is. I thought Wembley was a fucking pain in the arse. At least that's on the tube. <laughs> Although it was so quite...
2: confusingly Tottenham Court Road, you can't go to Tottenham from there, no?
3: No, God, no, no, you got to go to Liverpool Street and then at the Overground. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was okay, it was alright. like the stadium itself. Holy fuck, I want to go and watch more sport in that stadium. It's amazing, especially because they've got the whole mate because it's been made for the NFL, hmm. like basically half of the pitch sort of disappears. And they take off a pitch out, and they put like artificial grass down a little bit of it where the sideline is, and then they put some more seats in. So you're like you feel closer to the like action than I think you ever would be in any other sort in a sort of any stadium that's used for the width of a football pitch. Because like an NFL pitch is tiny. I can't remember how many yards wide it is, but I think it's only like
1: pretty 55. narrow, are Yeah,
3: yeah, they're only like fifty-five or sixty yards wide, whereas a football pitch is fucking gigantic if they want it to be and so yeah quite often when you go and watch in Wembley or Twicken Twickenham places like that it's fucking like you're watching something happening two fields over but yeah just just mad going to live sport again just sort of
2: I've not been to one that big I mean you have you have gone big early I mean yeah obviously my first trip back to live sport was at the AJ Bell <laughs> I was gonna so, say you know I mean that is I mean you probably different. couldn't get much further the other end of the spectrum could you really
3: yeah i mean there were sixty thousand people there yesterday
2: so there it's... weren't that many at sale no i well, don't give too much away but no. you know.
3: <laughs> 16 maybe
2: did they even get 16 at sale no do they fuck it was uh <laughs> four, was it four thousand seven hundred? Four thousand eight hundred?
3: see people talk about fucking welsh rugby attendances like they're terrible and unsustainable yeah.
2: Yeah, I know, yeah. Yeah, th- yeah. Th- and then the Cardiff-Connick game the week after, which I then went to, I think that was roughly the same figure, I think.
3: Yeah, like they're not Maybe brilliant. Maybe a bit under. And, You know, I can understand attendance as being down, because if people do not feel entirely comfortable going back to mass fucking sports events in the fact, fr- you know, given that we are still in the midst of a pandemic, and hell, I felt... I feel very strange about it I still feel very strange about it I'm going to the Wales game next month and I feel even more about that I go to Australia um, but yeah you know that's going to be another 70,000 people
2: i got a chance to go to South Africa game tickets from nice. my mate who's linked with Abigail club and uh, I can't go because I'm covering it for the Guardian oh, and I've so already right. said I'll do it so I can't jib it off
3: can you not take your um, up and go and sit in the press area <laughs>
2: <laughs> I could do couldn't I that would be really good fun drive all the way to Cardiff to sit in a depressing room with yeah. a plastic cup of tea watching it on the telly when I could do it at yeah.
3: and home and let's not forget the media, The press seats in the Millennium Stadium are the worst seats in all of professional sport because whatever his name is Glamour Williams hated the press so much that he made sure that the press area in the Millennium Stadium had the worst view imaginable
2: he had a fascinating haircut, Glamourly.
3: Absolutely did. Yeah. Fascinating.
2: Um, it had a kind of, sort of like thatched roof feel about it. But <laughs> but imagine if they thatched, imagine if they thatched a McDonald's and all that kind of roof. It was yeah, that sort I of mean, shape.
3: who hasn't seen? You know, there's that thatched McDonald's in. Uh, is it just outside a Slough or something like that? Are they basically is like,
1: there? Oh, no, I don't.
3: me. there's a thatched McDonald's that they took this old thatched pub and turned it into a McDonald's, but obviously because it's some sort of listed building, they couldn't actually do any demolish it or anything. So they just stuck a Golden Arches <laughs> in the midst of this <laughs> old thatched. It's fucking weird. Um, there's one of those in Bath as well, actually. I don't know if it's actually thatched, but it's definitely an old building. What they've got an into oldie
2: worldy feel to get through the yeah. planning permission rules. Yeah, <laughs> it's not great. So uh, while you were doing that, I was in the garden because that's you know you do. what I yeah. do over weekend now. However, I did get to use my new hand tool, which is a which is a full length bulb planter. Oh, lovely! Have you ever wielded a bulb planter? I haven't. I'll do you know you what a bulb what, planter looks like?
3: I've got no idea. I can't even imagine.
2: Imagine a cone. Yeah, but with the point cut off the end. So it's a slightly conical tube.
3: Oh, I can see it. I've Googled it. Very exciting.
2: Yep. So you, you you push it in the ground mm-hmm. and then you lift it out and it brings the section of Earth like a golf, like cutting a golf hole. Imagine yep, that.
3: Yep, yep, yep.
2: Lifts it out. You drop the bulb in, then you just tip drop finger, the fucking put, thing back in. Drop it on top of the bulb, <sighs> plant it. tap it down with your foot. Jobs are good and absolutely belting. It was fun. Next level. It was yeah. it was fun and satisfying, I would say, for the first twelve bulbs. <laughs> By the time I got to, I think I was probably cracking on for 60, 70 plus bulbs on Saturday. That's a lot it was becoming knowledge. it was becoming tedious.
3: Yeah, I can imagine that. I bought. Facebook a,
2: user uh, simply said, "Plug." Yes, plug. it's a plug. Yeah, it's I
3: guess plug. yes. Indeed. I bought uh, my first leaf blower slash garden vac. Right, it does both. Last
2: week. Electric battery or petrol or plug-in. Plug-in. It was all right. It's fine. Oh, you haven't got. I've been to your garden. There's not. It's not, not far to walk. As you know, it's obviously. a small.
3: It's a small area. But because for some reason the previous owners of our house decided to plant literally one, two, three, four, five mature trees, including three fruit trees in our garden, uh, which is which can't be bigger than. You know,
2: I I didn't go in your garden, but I looked out of the garden and I could see all of it from your window. It didn't look, oh, it yeah, did yeah, look yeah. like a, a great it's, expanse of land. It's back got
3: now. a like it's great for privacy, don't get me wrong. But <laughs> it's come the autumn time, you know, my lawn, which cannot be more than, you know, ten, fifteen yards square. Basically, just gets the entirety of three up to
2: your wasted leaves. <laughs> Basically, yes. Like, I'll, I'll,
3: every week I go out and I have to clear up like, it's like a do it int-
2: yourself ball pool. I love it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And so ra- rather than having to wade through leaves after about the third week of autumn or spend about 45 minutes with a fucking, you know, those horrible fucking rakes that you get to rake up leaves that don't do anything. Mm-hmm. I, so I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy a leaf blower. I'm going to admit that I'm in that page of my, stage of my life. I'm going to buy a garden vac, and you know it did the job. I went out this weekend. I vaced. It mulched it all up nicely. I put it in the composter, and I felt incredibly middle aged, and I liked it.
2: I bought my second strimmer this week because I'm, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm a two strimmer man now because I've got I've got me petrol one that I have to like put a fucking harness on, like Drake <laughs> from Aliens. Yes, yeah, yeah. One of them ones had two handles on it. Hmm. Uh, which i have to do like the big bits we got but i i just need one to do just the edge of my lawn yeah. when i mow my lawn rather than doing me big other bits around the side and everything yeah you and, don't want to, and...
3: you don't want to get us you know you don't want to have to fucking yank a blood well exactly And my
2: lawn ended up looking like a fringe jacket because i couldn't be asked getting <laughs> me big trimmer out every time i mow the lawn yeah. So i've spent like 45 quid on it on a little battery one mm. which will do just for that little job yeah i have to get the big bastard out it's all
3: about you know convenience in my, you know you could make a big deal of these jobs but when you could just buy a convenient handy power tool why would you bother
2: oh i'm telling you i've spent many too many years with the wrong tool or no tool at all trying to get a job done and i'm just flat refusing to do it anymore so
1: I, I let me listen to
2: you all listeners yeah. out there don't struggle with an inadequate or incorrect tool because quite frankly because of china you can get anything for the absolutely for anything them. Have a, a look form. on
3: Amazon. It's all over, it's all on there for fuck all.
2: <laughs> all this talk of <laughs> streaming, are you about to announce you're sponsored by Manscaped? No, Never. No, we're not. Never. No. We have been offered at least three times, by the way, to be sponsored <laughs> by Manscaped, and we've politely refused every time.
3: Yeah. I mean, you don't want to hear us talking about fucking pube trimming, really. Do we not overshare enough no. without exactly. that?
2: I mean, I mean, Josh doesn't, but you've heard everything about me. The last thing you want to do is be intimate, <laughs> intimate cuttings. You don't want to hear about that. So
3: intimate cuttings sounds like when you're sort of pruning the trees come, uh, you know, it's, it could be yet another garden job.
2: That's next week's yeah, job, by I was the way, tree pruning. <laughs> I'll have to get me, me. I've got a, I've got a chipper now, a little chipper, Fair play. which I told you was only 75 quid. Yeah, absolutely good for the and price. The very satisfying or well, sometimes when you, when you stick a branch in it whips and it whams you on the knuckle
3: i'm gonna to have to make a decision vis-a-vis whether i buy a chipper soon because as, as you know previously discussed we have mm. you know five mature trees in our back garden which require including a fucking huge great literally no exaggeration 20 foot 30 foot pine tree and fucking
2: lay Landai, man, to the curse of the world.
3: <laughs> it's not Leilandai, it's a proper pine tree. A proper oh. fucking pine tree. And it's it like it fucking covers my lawn with fucking pine cones as well. That's another pain in the ass about it. But yeah. There's nothing I can do about that. I can't I can't get one of those little fucking saws on a stick and trim that bastard. That's a bloke with a fucking <laughs> Spider-Man outfit fucking climbing up the side with a Chainsaw. So,
2: Facebook user also says chipper is well worth it for the composting. See, I don't know who again. this Facebook user is, but I think I'm I getting, think it might be me. Am, am I into... sending messages <laughs> to myself?
3: I'm getting into the fucking <laughs> composting game now. See, Because now I've got.
2: Well, I've, I've built. I've built me three compartment composted out of old pallets. Lovely stuff. The chipper though is very satisfying. You start with a massive pile of branches. You you have to try and ram in your car to go to the yeah tip. yeah, and then you just spend a couple of hours. Just podcast on it. headphones yeah. in feeding it in Beautiful. nobody you know you can you can legitimately ignore your family yeah because you're working and you yeah. can't hear them because the chip is on oh it's, it's quite right too. anyway so that was That's my weekend bulb planting so yeah in case anybody's wondering i planted a mixture of daffodils and a number of different alliums oh lovely yeah allium uh, emperor was one of them, empress. Ambassador, sorry, Ambassador Alliums, and a few of them, Pinball Wizard they were called. I thought oh, well, them.
3: I was obviously going to be – I'm amazed that you didn't just make them all that, Frank. Yeah, I'm just
2: put in the entire garden. Can't <laughs> walk in the garden now. It's nothing but Pinball Wizard. Um, Yeah, so anyway, that was that then. So if you want to get in touch with us, <laughs> yes. I am Lee at bloodandmud.com or at Blood and Mud on the Twitter. DMs are open, or there's a Patreon messaging service if you're one of those people.
3: What Quite about indeed. you, Josh? I be able get a hold of you? Uh, at Josh Gardner uh, at rocked underscore Mike. Uh, Josh at uh, bloodandmud.com, dot I suppose uh, somebody did send me an email um, about something last week, but I forgot what it was. So,
2: yeah, it was yeah. our mate Die from America. He sent it to both of us just to prove that it you could.
3: Oh yes, he did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Hello, Die. I are you all right? Um, so yeah, so that's us. Lots and lots of chat about tools in the, in the comments. I won't go into it, but uh, honestly, it's a, it's so a, much.
3: Nothing gets the comments going like some power tool chat. I feel like we've missed like our calling.
2: I will tell you what, the, the number of I mean, we've got, we've got the Nashville patron offshoot episodes, mm. power tools, gardening. So anyway, we're also on, we're on Acast, although. Mm. Might not be for much longer. Actually, right? might be switching hosting. That'll make no difference to you people listening. It'll just absolutely no so. won't change. But that's and that's nothing you need to know about really. But uh, we're also on Apple. That won't change. We're mm-hmm. on Patreon.com. <laughs> Blood and mode where you can get yourself some extra shits by paying two quid a month or 20 quid for the year or five pounds a month for the VIP or 50 quid for the year and get yourself a bit of a bio. I'd mm-hmm. like to extend my apologies, Josh. Oh, not God. to you, right? To apologize to you for, but um, i my extending my apologies. Somebody's drawn to my attention uh, that Stuart Peter upped mm-hmm. his contribution some time ago. And as as and he's not on his bio. Not so right. here sure we go. So Stuart, to. Stuart Peter, prop forward for Fartridge RFC. Lovely. Stuart is known as the Tray, due to having an entirely flat top of his large head. Oh, lovely. And literally, like anatomically flat. Wow. I don't mean a flat top haircut. <laughs> no. I mean completely flat head. So but- as a result, he always has to go to the bar. Obviously. Because they can put six pints mm-hmm. on his large prop head to walk uh, back.
3: So he's effectively one of those, a human version of those beer carriers that you get in the Millennium Stadium.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Wow. And he's um, he also fears, he has a deep fear of a scrum collapse because he ends up tipped up on his flat top like an upturned inverted stool and struggles <laughs> to get back down again. <laughs> so he doesn't like, so he tends to pull out quick, he tends to pop up rather than go down. I if see. You, know what I mean.
3: you can blame him. It's sort of like a self, weird reverse tortoise sort of effect.
2: Yeah, absolute bugger to get a scrum cap for.
3: <laughs> They'll be doing a GoFundMe to get a custom one for him.
2: <laughs> yeah, indeed. Like a gum shield be yeah, moulded exactly. to his head. <laughs> How many of you have burnt your gums on a gum shield when you've done your... Oh. I never got. I never got myself. Because you can go to a dentist, can't you, and get moulded. Like, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I get when he's, he's getting the one where you have to put it in the, it in the cow, boiling, or, water, boiling water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boiling water, then yeah. fish it out with some tongs, which always leave an imprint <laughs> on it. <laughs> Chuck it in your mouth while it's still like boiling water swilling around in yeah. it. Yeah, and then it, and then and then the whole fitting process is sucking your thumb. Yeah. Well, you think it's a wonderful thing? (laughs) Ram it in your gob and suck on your thumb until it goes hard. Not your thumb. uh, Yeah.
3: I never used to, uh, to I never used to like do it properly, blatantly, because like I would just put it, I'd be like, ah, fuck, that's hot. And I'd like bite down on it (laughs) for about 10 seconds and then be like, oh, that's probably done, isn't it?
2: It's It's amazing. I had all my teeth left. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible stuff. (laughs) And then I, uh, and I was, I was always about my mouth. They were always slightly too long at the back. So I kept gagging. I had to like <laughs> cut mine at the back and like sand it down a bit. I gave up in the end. I thought, fuck this.
3: The I just won't bother tackling it.
2: anybody. It'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> Another thing I've done this week. So there you go, Stuart. Thank you oh, yeah. very much. If anybody else wants a bio, then you can do that. Other mm. thing I've done this weekend, Josh, and I'm very mm. excited about it. I mean, my nerddom has been. So I've got, I've got the bull planter in nerddom. Going. Yeah, yeah. I've decided after the dates were announced, I don't even like sevens, right? But I thought, mm. fuck it, I'm going to Seville in January.
3: Oh, now it's we're just talking. it's
2: just it's just after my okay. birthday. Yep. I then thought, how the fuck am I going to get to Seville? Flight to Madrid. Yep. Then the supersonically fast Renfe AVE train. Oh who doesn't two and a half hours. I thought, can I drive to Mental Seville? No, because it's a six hour drive. <laughs> but the train is two and a half hours. Well, lovely stuff. First class is so cheap. And honestly, I am more excited about going on the Spanish train than I am about seeing any of the sevens. But I'm still going anyway.
3: I mean, I wonder what the vibe is for the Spanish. Because, you know, usually the sevens legs are in places where there's either quite a lot of rugby fans or a lot of expats who like rugby. Seville well, doesn't strike me as any one, of those.
2: A week before a Seville one, they've got one in Malaga. So there's two. There's two in Spain in the God, space of a really week. Going hard on the get Spain into rugby thing. I'm here for it. And I've I've, I've stayed in Seville before. Actually, Seville genuinely is one of my favourite cities. It's a fabulous place to go. I've been once before, about probably about 20 years ago now. Something like that. And um, I thought all of the hotel I stayed in, which is very nice, was there it was completely booked up <laughs> on like a Friday in fucking January. That, ah. That's where all the players must be staying, was mm. my first
3: thought. Or all the sponsors, so I reckon at least. Everyone from sponsors, HSBC. Yeah.
2: Weirdly, Seville's got two big football teams, obviously. Mm. Seville, that's not weird in itself. Sevilla and Real Betis are both in Seville. Mm-hmm. So I thought it must be in one of their stadiums. No, it's in a, another 60000 seat stadium that they've got in <laughs> they just Seville. just got it for the sake of it. Which obviously was some massive fucking bit of grift. I was bit of say, there's,
3: there's some kickbacks involved there somewhere, sure. Yeah. There's at
2: least 17 <laughs> no show jobs as part of that construction. Uh, yeah, so,
3: yeah, that'll be fucking um, belting.
2: Weekend of the 28th of January. So I mean Seville won't be boiling hot in January, but it won't It'll be, be better like than here. It. It'll be dry, probably. I think that's yeah. the main thing. Plus, I mean January, man, it's the pits, isn't it? It's the fucking worst, mate.
3: <laughs> I tried, I was why so I tried to mother, go to I think... That's why I tried to go to California in January almost. Yes.
2: Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I was two weeks late when I was a baby in the mm. middle of January, which kinda been nice to me, mother.
3: I would <laughs> imagine not, no. But then I suppose you're, you're not planning on going out anyway, are you?
2: No, that's true. And then I was, a, and then I was born in seventh, the long hot summer of seventy six. So I was born, and then it was fucking boiling for like the rest of the year, sweating See, like. I a think i would
3: probably be worse. Imagine if you were born in the midst of the long hot summer. Imagine me nine months pregnant, but it's thirty five degrees or something.
2: Honestly. True story. I was born in the January of seventy six. Long hot summer of seventy six. And mm-hmm. then when I was ten months old, I got chicken pox. So it was like apparently no one gives me the full story. They're in me nappy and everything. So every time, I, every time I had a wee, I, like, burnt my <laughs> chicken pox in my na- old nappies or the old towel in nappies. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, it's like Angela's Ashes, this, isn't it?
3: going to say, it's <laughs> sort of, it feels like an excerpt from Kez or something.
2: <laughs> so much sporting life. life. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got, I got my, my rugby league contract, but I was too damaged from burning myself, burning my chicken pox when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway oh boy so there you go yeah thank you everybody for your contributions and those of you watching on the live stream who are all patrons and everybody else and thank you Stuart and I'm very sorry for taking that long if like Stuart you've done a VIP and you've never uh, been given the due then mm-hmm. get in touch by all means shall we begin as we always begin Josh you better add yeah uh, with a player spotted Yes. Steve Hodgson, who is also a patron, utilised the patron messaging service to send this one in. Mm-hmm. He says, I've been inspired to send this in after Lee confessed he wanted to join the RAF last week. Um, I told the story, of course, about my uh, Air Cadets photograph that my mother told me, and um, I haven't done it yet, but I will be putting. I will put the picture of me in cadet uniform into the Facebook group. I've seen this. So it's a, it
3: is a belter.
2: <laughs> so she so can all have a laugh. Um, he says, anyway. I hope this shows what you might have missed op- missed out on. Says uh, Steve. Really, RAF. He says because I am a member of the RAF. He says, and I, I rather than submit a player spotted, I am going to submit a player voice spotted. Right. This is the RAF. Whilst taking part in a parade practice for a sunset parade, our drilling, drill instructor used a downloaded version of the parade so we could get our timings correct and have the music to march to. So it must have been like a shit music music mm. playing while they were marching and stuff. This version also included a narrator. So right. we could see how long the passages of his reading were, etc., Mm -hmm. This allowed us to get used to standing at ease and attention and holding a rifle and all that at the correct time as required. He says, as we marched onto the practice ground for the first time, the music stopped and the voice sparked up over the loudspeakers and it was none other than, go on, Josh, you've not seen this. Who do you think it might be?
3: (sighs) I'm going to say Sir Clive Woodward.
2: Mm. No, it was the master of voiceovers and the monopolizer of the portentous voiceover himself, Mr. Eddie Butler. Good lord. After li- he says, Steve says, after listening to Eddie describe the sunset ceremony as well as he describes an, ex- an exciting Welsh break. So he didn't describe it very well at all, is what he said. Terribly, yeah, yeah. Um we marched off the practice ground where my mate turned to me and said, There really isn't anything he won't put his voice to, is there?
3: <laughs> no, I mean it shows the the lengths to which he will go to get a day's voiceover work, I guess. Or probably a morning, let's be real.
2: He is like um he is the voiceover version of Ray Winston. Yeah. Isn't he? Ray Winston will obviously a... just do anything for yeah. money, won't he? <laughs> Yeah, you offer him some money, he'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and obviously, that's Eddie when it comes to voiceovers. Yeah, literally. Is, how David.
3: much is the is the only question? And presumably, because I can't imagine the 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 RAF is paying that much for voiceover dudes to do marching practice. Surely no, that's no, not no. A big.
2: Those those military contracts have you seen the <laughs> I <was gonna>
3: say... <laughs> He's, did, was it? Did it have to be? Sort of. Was it, it? Was his the best bid of three competing voiceover artist bids? Uh, Somehow
2: that, that voiceover took four months <laughs> and had about seventeen prototypes. It all had to. be It went paid three
3: for. billion pounds over budget. It's con- still considered a resounding success. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So there you go. Mm. So that's Eddie Butler, sort of spotted in the RAF, which I quite like. Indeed. So, if you've it. got a player spotted, you want to send in to us. Maybe yeah. you've got, you know, another ex Wales player at some military, coming out of a speaker in some military yeah, yeah. instalment. Why not? Then please do. <sighs> Going back to my chicken pox story, Richard Laird says, "Calamine lotion on the nads. Memories of childhood." He says. <laughs> I guess. I mean, did you have Chucky? Did you have Chuckie? was that just was something that
1: just
2: happened?
3: happened? Yeah. <laughs> just so you pass the time.
2: Tear your trousers down, boy. Why? It's calamine lotion time. Nothing wrong with me, though. God.
1: I don't uh,
3: know yes. why I hate like, why. Why the kids like calamine lotion? Obviously, doesn't smell great, but it's not that bad, is it? You know, it, it just goes smells. kind
2: of chalky on you, though, doesn't it?
3: Yeah. I just, I always remember hating the smell of it, but on reflection. It was just the smell of most creamy type, you know. It's no different than soda cream or Dermatol or anything, you know.
2: My daughter's had a belly button pierced because mm. it's the 90s again now. Yeah, so yeah, they're well back. Low ra- rise jeans and belly button piercings. And, yeah, uh, it's weird. And uh, so the house just honks the TCP every three days. <laughs> Speaking of things that smell <laughs> a bit funny. <laughs> Uh, Speaking of, 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 of things from when you were a kid that were yeah. medicinal uh, yeah. you are younger than me so this is a bit of a test right do mm-hmm. you know what? and, and I'm throwing this out to listeners as well let us know do you know what pripsin is? Oh Pripsin, yes um,
3: Did you ever have to take pripsin? No but the name rings a bell is it something to do with like worms or something?
2: It is something to do with ringworm, yes. Not ringworm, threadworm in your bum bum. Basically, you had to to drink it. It was like a purple... It was, according to the packet, fruit-flavoured. It actually tasted like death.
3: (laughs) Is that like when... They used to say that banana medicine was... Banana flavored, but actually, it's just fruit flavored. Hate
2: if they've rammed fruit into the carcass of a dead pigeon and let it <laughs> stew for about ten days, and then mashed it in a blender. That's what fruit flavour means at Britain. Facebook user says, "Was it powder? It was powder. You could mix it with water or milk, and it was pink, pinky colored in milk, obviously in purple." And you had to just stand and drink it. And my family were obsessed with threadworms, right? If anybody uh, even, like, literally, they, like, move their hand towards their backside to scratch it, we all got to drink pripsin within uh, half the hour. Some, even, like, when my cousins, the other side of Lancashire, would get worms, I'd still have to drink pripsin even though I'd not seen them for three months. <laughs> they were fucking obsessed. So <laughs> but it was obviously the worst thing in the entire... But now I think, it, again, like everything, it's just a tablet now. Yeah. Some the kids a... today know nothing yeah. about
3: it's like they might never know, understand the pure heady thrill of you know full ultra sugar Calpol like we <laughs> yeah. did but you know oh yeah. Calpol 6 plus now that was a fucking travesty
2: I don't oh. remember Calpol being a big thing in my childhood what was big in my childhood and I loved it and I still love it to this day was Benelin I genuinely love the taste <laughs> of Benelin <laughs>
3: Calpol was big in my day and i guess that they just realized that if you make something incredibly sweet kids will just fucking quaff it like nobody's business and it's a hell of a lot easier thing but then they realized that kids liked it too much and would pretend to be ill because they wanted some delicious paracetamol flavored or flavored paracetamol and so they introduced this thing called Calpol Six Plus, which was intentionally designed to taste like shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that you then wouldn't be fucking knocking it back like nobody's business. And genuinely to this day, it's still one of the worst things I've ever tasted, like licking a battery. Awful.
2: There is the there's the, the decline in Calpol use, judging by the number of children that you have, right? Because your first kid <laughs> has about four gallons of Calpol in the first 18 months of their lives, right? Yep. Second kid, you give them Calpol about once every six months. you figure it out by then. <laughs> You're like, no, they'll be fine. You don't need Calpol.
3: Uh, oh,
2: Calpol does still
3: exist, but now it's sugar-free. Oh, Calpol's still about.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it just yeah. doesn't exist. You can get it in sachet, so you can just squirt it directly into their gob. Perfect. Yep. That quite or you get the bottle, with this. you turn upside down, you there's a syringe. Oh, nice. So you get a bit of a kind of, you know... Sort of nineteen eighties um Tyler's Town.
3: Yeah, for, yeah, 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 yeah. About the
2: whole thing. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, sugar free now though. That's that's the the whole fucking point of Calpol was that it gave you know a whole generation of kids extremely bad sugar dependencies.
2: Mike, Mike Hemming says Buttercup Syrup was always my favourite. We never had Buttercup Syrup. I think that was, well, I, like I was something impression the impression that sort of middle-class middle kids had. That and Tixi Licks. <laughs> I never had Tixi Licks either.
3: I, was aware, I saw the adverts for Tixi Licks, but I don't think I ever had it. Buttercup yeah. Syrup, man. Yeah, I
2: don't even remember what that was like. So,
3: meanwhile, um, anyway, uh, back, at
2: the, back at the podcast. Back at the Rugby the, Union uh, the, podcast. Back at the Rugby Union podcast. Uh, Steve, that started off with the RAF. Mm. Mm. Um, so, so anyway, yeah. Then we went on a bit of a, a bit of a, a trip. So that is the player spotted. Thank you very much. Please send them in to at Blood and Mud on the DMs or the Patreon Messaging Service on Lee If you've got mm-hmm. a lovely spotted, thank you very much. Everybody submits them. Yeah, I'm always amazed how many how many people are seen or heard out in the wild. It's still. I mean, we even had them keep it on going during lockdown. So you know, there should be millions of them coming in now. So come it's on, book your ideas surprises. up, everyone. Yeah. Shall we do some news, Josh? It feels I like think we should. that time,
3: is not it? Yeah, it is. We're do we want to up. lead on the England squad? I think we would better add. <laughs> but it's
2: out today. Yeah, as we're recording.
3: He's, he's announced the an England squad today, and it's weird. <laughs> it's real weird. So this is the autumn
2: internationals one. Yeah. From memory, so I think there is a proper another one now. This is the EPS, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this the full EPS? Does he get how many? Does he get? I don't, I they know, don't. He to count. drop a few out from the six. the Six Nations, doesn't he? Yeah, out.
3: but. Like, they had the wider training squad a couple of weeks ago, and you went, okay, you know, he just wants to look at some players. He'll, you know, obviously bring back the senior dudes once the real rugby starts, right? Nope. Apparently not.
2: Yeah, indeed. <laughs> I remember it. you said, there's no way George Ford isn't actually dropped, said Josh confidently yeah. <laughs> two or three <laughs> weeks ago.
3: And Yeah. No, no, George Ford's really, apparently, yeah. I mean, I can hear Friend of the Pod Robbie in, sort of seething with rage from here to be honest and i'll I'll genuinely i don't understand what you're thinking if you pick george furbank over george ford given how he's playing at the moment and given now the the fact that he's the best fly off in england it's it's just if with the greatest respect to newcastle fans right (laughs) if a week ago let alone a year ago you told me that two years out from the world cup the club with the second biggest contingent of players in the England squad would be Newcastle Falcons. I would have asked you how they'd managed to clone Mark Wilson four times. <laughs> but, <laughs> but here we are, tied with Exeter at four players each. And it's just, the players, like some of the players, yeah, fair play, Adam Radwan, very exciting player. I'm not yeah. sure any of us had... Twenty-nine-year-old Trevor Davison being right in the mix for the twenty. That's incredible. Robbie That's my
2: favourite one. It, it's an incredible I'm, story. It's got it's got amazing, and I don't. Know if this is going to be really bad, really good. Amazing Tim Payne vibes about it. This selection. <laughs> it's like, where was, have you been till now? Or why are you in the squad at twenty-nine? Unless you've gone one of two ways. You know what I mean? He was
3: playing for Bladen in the National Two North and being the cornerstone. Right, twenty sixteen. I read an article today where he was being touted as one of the future core leadership group of the England Counties team, which still exists, apparently. I didn't even know that. And yeah, now he's getting in the squad ahead of Mako of It is mad.
2: You have got to oh. love rugby in many ways that that's still possible, haven't you? Yeah. You have got to it's love that somebody come from wild. the top end of the amateur game and be here within yeah. a few years, especially in those... It's always those type five positions, isn't it? Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, it's yeah. always, it's always but, basically fucking strength athlete lads, isn't it? You know?
3: Yeah, it's it's very rare that somebody with the fast twitch muscle fibers to be a winger or a fullback is not identified <laughs> yes. pretty fucking early no. doors. But yeah. you know, he was literally he was a delivery driver and a carpenter playing for Bladen, and he was going to move to Australia and and try and play a bit of fucking semi pro rugby over there while he was at it, and then. His coach was also a coach at Newcastle. The coach at Bladen was also a coach at Newcastle, and mentioned it to Dean Richards. And Dean Richards went, "Oh, before you go to Australia, do you want to have a go at professional rugby at like twenty four, twenty four, like twenty six? I think he was." And he's like, "Yeah, all right." And three years, two three years later, here he is in an not just in a silly summer england squad to play yeah. fucking america and canada in an england squad to play fucking south africa and australia it's... I do
2: like that that, that McCall had uh, basically come out and said, and said, "Oh, I'd be very this morning." Said, oh, "I'd be yeah. very surprised if the Munirallah brothers <laughs> and, and, well, and I mean, Jerry it's... George are not in the England squad." It's okay. So you feel you like... know you've given away how little inside the circle of of chat you are. <laughs> yeah, and you are not saying... on
3: that fucking WhatsApp, mate.
2: <laughs> not at all. No.
3: But yeah, you look at you know. It's basically everyone except Maruto J and Turd that will not be flushed, Owen Farrell. Like, no Billy <laughs> Vinapola, no
2: make- I think that's a little bit strong given his record. But yes, <laughs> right.
3: given his perform, Who has performed worse than Owen Farrell of that Saracen contingent over the last 12 months? Maybe Billy Vinapola. Yes. Um, maybe. But you know no. it's wo- amazing
2: to see is Farrell still the 12 I think that's the interesting question this is the thing me. yeah is it it's... still this is it still that shape is it still that model
3: yeah but with Marcus but Smith instead of George Ford but it's Marcus
2: Ford. Smith is it oh, or is don't... it Farrell in and then Tulangi comes back in at 12 fuck knows this is because he's still there there's an unflushable yeah. turd for you <laughs> oh, that's that, a really I good mean, point you know, fair, I mean he's playing you know, quite well he, that's, yeah he's that's playing alright he's dropped yeah. a bit of Tim running was I think he's better for him but uh
3: but yeah, no Billy Vunipola, no Maker Vunipola, no Jamie George, no Ben Earl, no Max Malins, no Alex Lazowski, no Nicosikwe. Oh Ben's I missed that one. Yeah. Um no Alex Lazowski, no Zicwe. It's like there's a lot of There's a lot of people who've played for England, who've played for Saracens, who, let's not forget, are dishing out fucking batter instead mm. all and sundry at the moment. <laughs> like it's I understand like if he's Trying to do some mind game shit, and be like, "I'm going to drop you so that you, you know, yes. get fired up enough that you're back in the best form." How does anybody possible. fall
2: for that stuff, by the way? Hey, how
3: does anybody fall for that stuff? And also, the Saturday it was always space.
2: Gordon Ramsay's tactic on Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> you're going, you're going to fuck that risotto up. I'm not, you know. It's like, oh, fucking hell! How would you not? Oh, what a motivator <laughs> what you a are! Huge, man.
3: Yeah, what, what a great fucking influencer, of, shaper of minds you are! But yeah, in the case of a lot of these Sari's players, like they're all playing real fucking good. They're playing better than pretty much everybody else in the Premiership. Look at the fucking table. So I think if you're Billy Vunipola or Mako Vunipola, particularly Mako, you could just say, well, I just got back off a Lions tour in which I. Reminded everybody that I am still a very, very good fucking player. And... I
2: always look this shagged out, Eddie. Yeah. This is just what yeah. I look like.
3: Yeah. I just look, yeah, I've never looked, I've never passed the sight test as a reunion <laughs> player, but I'm very good, I assure you. Um, But yeah, you know, it's. And
2: there's just... something with. Come
3: on. I'm quite, it's quite exciting in a way because it's like. It's hard to see how Eddie Jones, like you say, unless he literally sticks to the same thing and just tries to basically slot Marcus Smith and some of the new lads. You know, I fail to see how Alex Dombrandt or you know Sam Simmons replace you know fits that fills in the Billy Vunapola hole. Well, they you know, don't, do they?
2: they Dombrandt just... maybe a bit, but. Be, he doesn't
3: play like Billy, Billy opponent No, he plays doesn't why no, all. Only
2: a little bit, really. It's
3: like it screams they are going to try something new, which is interesting because England haven't really tried anything new for the last five years.
2: I suppose we're exactly two years out now, aren't we, from a World Cup? Yeah. So this is the point at which he's gone. I need to pick people to play a game plan. Plus, don't forget he's got a new attack coach, he's got a new it will probably and I think for all the nonsense of Jones, I think he likes to have people who come in and challenge him a bit and, yeah. and give him new ideas because you know he, he is that kind of player. And what they've been doing hasn't really been working.
3: No, this is the other thing. It's been you a know,
2: struggle, hasn't it? So you've got to change something up.
3: Yeah, which is interesting the contrast between this and what um and what Wayne Pivak said on the flip side of it, which is effectively like <laughs> the last thing that he wanted to be doing right now is picking the number of fucking weird players in the Wales squad that he's having to pick. But basically the Wales squad is like the fucking SOM at the moment. So he's had no, you know, his thing was like, right, we're two years out from a World Cup. We need to, we've we've had a look at people last year and now is when we we've got a core group that we're working with through until, 2023 whereas jones has just basically done the opposite of that and gone well we persisted with the last lot for a year and they weren't very good so now two years out from the world cup we're just gonna fucking blow the whole thing up and try again which is really interesting and totally is he hoping for like a razzie-esque kind of you know Backs against the wall. He's never been
2: frightened of doing this, hasn't? No. He? The other thing. I mean, it's not like it's completely out of uh, you know. Absolutely out, not. Out of character for him. I just think it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happened. I mean, because obviously he's decided that the the Vodipola brothers are gone. It basically is most of his most of the half of his front five selections are gone, aren't they? Yeah. So so, Caran Dicky stayed. Uh, Genja stayed. Marler has stayed. Mm. Beyond that, he's he's not interested in Ben Moon anymore. He's not interested in any of the exits of front five apart from nope. Charlie Hill. Is he looking nope. at it at all? He obviously really fucking likes Charlie Ewells, which baffles me. <laughs> Honestly, that is I think the he's one. all right, Charlie Ewells, but it baffles me. Um, I mean, the whole squad and he's stuck is... with he's stuck with players that are definitely his, hasn't he? Lewis Ludlam, for example. Again,
3: I am like he's a good, decent club player, but fuck me i'm i I'm, I'm struggling with what Lewis Ludlum offers in the test arena beyond any of the various other options part of me I don't think, know what he's... part of me also thinks that he only picked Lewis Ludlow because he just got them mixed up on his phone and he felt awkward <laughs> about it. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, uh, shit. In well,
2: Mike Bassett, England manager. What he, what he <laughs> exactly that, yeah. Dave Benson and Rob Edges, because he's written it on the back of a fan <laughs> packet. Um, the, um, so, we just go through the forwards, actually, just while we're here? So you've got yes, forwards, yeah, yeah. Jamie Blaymire from Newcastle, Callum Chick from Newcastle, who's actually been mm. pretty good this season. Actually.
3: He has been pretty good. Been
2: pretty gnarly, Newcastle. I think he obviously wants to bring maybe a bit more nastiness in. I don't know, he does. a bit more gnarliness in. Luke Cowan-Dickey from Exeter, Tom Curry. Yeah. Trevor Davison from Newcastle we talked about. Nick Dolly from Exeter, Don Brandt from Quinns, who probably should have been in last year anyway. Yeah. Nick um, Dolly's the one jo- that
3: fucking I know he scored a lot of tries this season, but that's a real <laughs> big old library for me.
2: Um Charlie as we've always mentioned, Genj, obviously, Johnny Hill, I think is, you know, fair enough. Uh Johnny Hill and Itoji look like the second row moving forward. I, I think. think
3: they they undoubtedly are. you know it's
2: Courtney Law, the scourge of Ian Henderson, Courtney Laws is in there. <laughs> Ian Henderson's nemesis, Courtney Laws is
3: in Well, there. this is the, the other thing. It's like you're you're looking at players that look like they're fucking done and are spent at this level, and you're going, well, make your Budapoda look shit. It's like, fuck me. Apparently, Courtney Laws is just immune to this.
2: Performative friend of the nuclear family, Courtney Laws. <laughs> still in um, Lewis Ludlum we've already talked about. Joe Marler, yeah. George Martin, who obviously crept in the back end of last year, and, has, and is obviously quite. Obviously I think a he's going to be.
3: Yeah, I think he's going to be pretty good. That guy,
2: Sam Simmons, who we still haven't figured out.
3: No, and it almost feels like Eddie's been embarrassed into just going oh, <laughs> fine.
2: Kyle Sinclair, Will yeah. Stewart from Bath, and Sam Underhill. Because the thing
3: is, if you're talking about picking people on form, I mean, I don't know how you pick anybody from Bath.
2: Right I don't, th- I think I've got a bit of respect. and We'll come on to this a bit more, but I do think there's, I do think if you're an international coach, you do have to sometimes not pick on form. I agree. You've got to look at some of all coaches go, claim they that are, they will. They are, they're the required standard and the kind of player I want. And effectively, they're in my squad. And I work with Duncan, that was Duncan, to switch sports, that was Duncan Fletcher's big revelation with England. He came in and said, You're out of test class and you're not. I don't care if you've got a batting average of fifty five in the county championship. Yeah, I don't think your test class saw thing. Michael Vaughan was picked for England when his batting average was shit for Yorkshire, but he just saw something, and obviously it played out. And I think there is something about some of this. Again, I'm sort yeah. of baffled because I don't see it with Charlie Ewells, I'll be honest. For Ooh. example, <laughs> Um but uh, but. But yeah, I see it with people like Johnny Hill that we brought in. I mean, he's quite obviously a test class player. He's a shit bag on every level, mm. which is, again, makes you more test class. But yeah, so I think there is some of that. Again, I don't get that feeling with Sam Simmons. This is, the
3: this, is a the weird, on... this is the weird sort of like hodgepodge of this squad in that it's sort of players that you just think, well, he just likes them, you know, and you're talking Lewis Ludlam, you know, who just doesn't look yeah. like a test player to me but apparently is, you know, Charlie Wills is another one. And then, you know, yeah, rolling the dice on, <laughs> like, George Furbank again or Freddie Stewart again. It's like...
2: Do I do rap- the backs now while we're talking yeah, about Yeah, that? yeah, yeah. So backslides, Mark Atkinson, ageless, who I've king always of... liked <laughs> and think he's a very, ta- I think he's a talented bloke, genuinely. But what if he's, he's the a 12, twelve? pick Owen Farrell doesn't
3: yeah. play. If it's Owen Farrell at ten and Mark Atkinson at twelve, <laughs> <laughs> a man who's well, too laggy at thirteen. He Why definitely not? will
2: be trying something different, but I'm not sure he'll do that. Will. So, yeah, Atkinson uh, from Gloucester. Owen Farrell we've talked about. Tommy Freeman from Northampton.
3: Another fucking WTF, you know?
2: Yeah. George yeah. Furbank from Northampton. Yeah. Who at least was in the squad last year. Again, didn't show a huge amount. But again, I think there was an element of him saying, you're test class and I'm sticking with you. I yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Max Malins. Yeah, yeah, okay. Johnny May. Okay. Rafi Quirk, he looks a talented lad. He does.
3: You kind of got a feel for Dan Robson here because this is basically Eddie <laughs> Jones saying... It, yeah, you're t- you the Prince Charles of this. Yeah, <laughs> Ben Youngs going to hang Joe around until- over there. <laughs> yeah, Ben Youngs is going to hang around until oh, by yeah. the time it's your time to ascend to the throne, you're too old, pal.
2: Oh yeah, the year will be twenty thirty nine, and Ben Youngs will still will <laughs> be preventing his own cyborg child from playing for England somehow. <laughs> so, Rafi Quirk mentioned Adam Radwan, yep. Newcastle, exciting prospect Harry Randall. You've got to For the move record,
3: on. there could be no greater difference between Ben Youngs and both Raffi Quick and Harry Randall in terms of mm. energy and game, which I guess is useful. If Ben Youngs is going to start every game, you might as well have something exciting off a bench. Harry Randall hasn't got a brain, though, so that'll be interesting.
2: <laughs> Some people call Harry the English Gareth Davis. Um, <laughs> Henry Slade, fair and enough. And then
3: you find, and then you find out he's from Wales anyway, so he's basically yes. just the the Welsh, <laughs> the other the other Welsh Gareth Davis.
2: Henry Slade, we've already mentioned, yeah. Yep. Uh, Marcus Smith, mm-hmm. Freddie Stewart, who yep. was had a very decent start to the season. He did, to be fair, yeah. And he's and has has got all the dimensions of the kind of fullback that Joel he looks
3: like an. Weirdly, he looks more like an a. Jones fullback than Max Malins does, which true. Yeah. I wonder if Max is might spend a lot more time on the wing this year. Hmm.
2: Manu, we've already mentioned, is, yep. is back in. Uh, Anthony Watson, again, he's not having a fabulous season. But nope. again, test animal, experience, yeah. covers fullback and wing, etc. And then Ben Youngs, we've already mentioned. So I suppose it's interesting for me about who the 10 is.
3: It is the big question. Whoever starts for you know a proper game at 10 against Australia or South Africa, it will be a big bellwether of how this whole thing is. Because surely they've got to try and contrive a way to make Marcus Smith work at test level. Like, you cannot be given something this good and not make some sort of concerted effort to actually, to make that happen, surely.
2: Um, yeah, I'm thinking that, if you're gonna go go big, I guess, but and I think that's why I'm starting to look at. Is this why they're going for these younger, Mo mobile back rows? Particularly, I eights? think possibly yes. Because they're expecting them to chase a lot of clever little kicks and having to get around the park a bit more for the spraying of the ball and all that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, you can certainly imagine if Marcus Smith and Harry Randall are both on the field at one at the same time. There's going to be a lot of catching up that these back rowers are going to have to do <laughs> and it's going to knacker them if they're you know believe in a polar that's not going to fucking work mm. is it and I guess they're looking at the way that Don Brandt plays with, he with links Smith a Club as well doesn't he yeah and I guess they may be hoping that Sam Simmons can sort of have a similar relationship with him
2: so, if, he, if he, Young's is going to be the nine still, because otherwise, why? Surely. You don't, yeah, he, yeah. You're not going to have him in there as a bench guy here. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, he's no. going to be the nine. If they go with Smith at 10, you're probably looking then at Farrell at 12. I would guess. Two on the bench, probably. Um, mm. Slade, I think Slays are nailed on 13. I don't think that's going
3: to. He certainly, should, you know, it would be interesting if he suddenly. If Manu was suddenly the 13, I think. But we know that Eddie does like someone large in the centre somewhere.
2: Furbank was playing fullback last year. Yeah. Uh Malins can play fullback. Stewart mm-hmm. can play fullback. Freeman can play fullback. A lot of fullbacks Watson. in this. Watson,
3: Watson can <laughs> Watson can play fullback.
2: Watson can play fullback. I don't <laughs> this is
3: Watson's the thing, be... a... Watson's there's not the a... fullback, I don't think. No. You know, there's an awful lot of High you know, without wishing to kind of be Ugh. there's a lot of players that have that hybrid vibe to them that Eddie has mm-hmm. been getting his self all thing about over the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you look at, at players like Simmons and Don Branton, you think, yeah, they're eights, but they could play everywhere. You know, Underhill, equally the same. George Martin could probably play anywhere except seven. It's it's a squad that has a lot of young, athletically gifted, versatile players in it, which is a different look for Ed Jones England, I think.
2: Looking at that, well, there's two ways you can go here, can't you? You could play George Martin at six mm-hmm. or Laws at six. Mm-hmm. And then you put Underhill's keeping seven of his fit, isn't he? I think that, that isn't shifting.
3: Well, this is the thing. It's like... <laughs> Does Tom Curry and Sam Underhill playing together still work with a Simmons or a Dombrand at eight?
1: From a
3: balance do, point
2: of view.
3: Or do they want somebody a bit more?
2: I think if you had Laws, Underhill and Dombrand, that would be all right.
3: Yeah, I agree. But then I just think Tom Curry's almost certainly going to start. Oh, Tom
2: Curry. Of course, fucking yeah, yeah. you know, I forgot about Tom Curry. Christ. This is the
3: thing. You got Tom Curry. You got Sam Underhill. They both Curry play six. Then, what well, thing does Curry play six? Does Underhill play six? Does does one of them is one of them on the bench? You know, is that why Ben Earl's not in this squad because you know one of them is going to be one of Underhill and Curry is on the bench, and they have a big bloke like Laws or George Martin playing six. It's interesting. There's a lot of it's the most interesting England squad. I think they've. How many how, in how many locks
2: are there? We've got Johnny Hill, Marrow, Laws, uh-huh. George Martin, um
3: yeah, yeah. Ewell's.
2: Again hybrid again isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Ewells, Hill, Itoji, Laws. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, right, it's going to be interesting. Mar- but anyway, yeah. yeah.
3: It's it's really interesting this squad in a way that I don't think an Eddie Jones squad has been for a really long time, and yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they do with it.
2: Yeah, me too. Well, it could be, or it could be Youngs, Farrell, Tulangi, <laughs> Slade, <coughs> Johnny Marla. May, yeah, Anthony May. Watson,
3: yeah. Marla.
2: And then uh, Furbank at full-back again. Yeah, yeah.
3: Marla, Itoje, Lord yeah. <laughs> Underhill, yeah. Curry. Cowan Dicky, <laughs> <Cowan Yeah. Dickey.
2: laughs> Genge. Play the hits. Yeah, so I, actually we're laughing, but to be honest, there is, that's the kind of intriguing thing, I suppose. Is this literally a kind of, no, my first 15 isn't really changing beyond yeah. Ford. Um, thing,
3: is there a 15 that's going to play against... Um, Is there a 15 that's going to play against Australia and South Africa and a 15 that's going to play against Tonga in that squad is the interesting thing as well, I think.
2: Looking at it that way, it's quite a decent way to manage a bit of a transition, I guess, because you've still got some, yeah, we'll see. Interesting anyway, interesting stuff. Certainly is. As you said, one of the more interesting squads for a while. Mm. Um, Other news, uh, some bad news. You get the bad news out of the way, I guess. Um, Yeah. Sean Wainui uh, has Oof. died in a car crash at horrible. 25, which is horrible, horrible news. And uh, Tom Youngs is taking indefinite leave from Leicester because his wife is very unwell, which is also Again, terrible. Which news. is
3: fucking horrible. It seems yeah. like a,
2: I mean, you know, we've all poked a bit of fun at Tom Youngs' throwing in at times and stuff, but he seems like a genuine. Genuinely. Genuinely. They seem like a genuinely. Loving I was going to gonna say.
3: This, like we always take the piss out of Ben Youngs, but there's absolutely no doubt that they both seem like thoroughly decent men who have all of their fucking priorities bang on. You know, you know, Ben Young's basically turned down going with the Lions in twenty seventeen cause he, you know, wanted to be around to support his brother and his family when she was going through her illness last time. And, mm. you know, and fair play to, to Lester as well for just You know, saying Tom Young's just fucking go, mate, take a leave of absence, go and do what you need to do. Because, you know, a lot of professional sporting environments would not be, they would probably talk about being sort of understanding and supportive in those circumstances, but I'm not sure they necessarily would be. So fair play to them. Hmm. Uh,
2: Last bit of bad news, I suppose, is that Navidi is even more injured than we thought he was last week.
3: Yes, yeah. He's going to miss Six Nations as well, which, I mean... Shoulder up. Huge, huge loss for Wales. Um, Mm. FAFTA clerk's out of the autumn as well, of course. Um, Yes. And is not coming up either, which is fucking great news for everybody playing South Africa and Australia, you have to say. But...
2: You miss watching him play though don't you yeah, Corey Betty so I love it very much, much, much fun to watch Corey Betty's great to watch without wanting to kill him like you do with Faf you know I
3: mean? yeah that's the thing at no not no point kill him, in... but you know shake not...
2: your fist at him in anger
3: at no point when I watch Corey Betty play do I ever despise him whereas Faf is yes. extremely despisable yeah.
2: you little bastard <laughs> I never shout that at Corey,
3: Corey Betty for a variety of reasons really starting with the fact <laughs> yes. that he's not little at all
2: no indeed yeah um, yes, yeah, so here we go. So I missed I missed um, Eddie Jones' quote about his, his squad. I don't select players, they select themselves, he said.
3: Yeah. So it's kind of another about way. to
2: ring the RFU to get <laughs> so, put through to Hello,
3: I'd like to play. Well, Eddie, I've
2: selected myself,
1: <laughs>
2: but I didn't select you. No, you just said very clearly that players select themselves. <laughs> I played blindside the last time about 12 years ago.
3: This is the thing though, you know, this is part of Eddie Jones' overall overarching plan to eventually kind of render the job of head coach of Rugby Union obsolete. You know, the players will pick themselves, they'll coach themselves, they'll shoot themselves yes. up, they'll they'll yeah. do their own kit. Yeah, eventually. Eventually, rugby union players will become their own self-fulfilling, self-selecting, self everything. do everything
2: themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's like were. he's never seen Jaguarez, isn't it?
3: <laughs> They've moved beyond the need for coaches.
2: <laughs> they tried that in Argentina. It was a great laugh, <laughs> it was but it wasn't a brilliant really laugh. It wasn't that good. <laughs> uh, other news. Um, obviously, uh, as somebody pointed out when they emailed me during the week as well, um, maybe Halem Amos was listening to the pod last week. Yeah.
3: I retired, Halle Amos.
2: Yeah, I can't remember. He sent the message. I'm very, very sorry. Um, <laughs>
3: it was very funny. I'm trying
2: to find it now. Yeah, because well, basically, but I mean, yeah, I, so I did you did
3: take the piss out of him for not being a proper doctor. Yeah, I well, like Sammy
2: Palm. who's a proper fucking doctor yeah, yeah, yeah. and working hard and playing rugby to <laughs> and a, a, well, a
3: Professional well, standard. Well, fuck you, then. I'll go and do something worthy and worthwhile with my time and be a professional doctor full time. And fair play to him.
2: Alamemus, I mean, he's retiring to becoming a billboard name for a high-end architect, is what he's doing. But it's, uh...
3: <laughs> No, but yeah, I I, th- I kind of feel like Wayne Pivak also semi-retired him when he announced that Wales squad, when he was basically like, Alamem needs to decide what he's doing with his future. <laughs> it's like, oh, is that, it? is that something that's up for grabs then, I guess? <laughs> You can be He's on going... the
2: fringes of this squad and at my whim, or he can go and get a very, very rewarding career in medicine. <laughs> what, <laughs> what rewarding,
3: worthwhile <laughs> society?
2: <laughs> no chance of getting Parkinson's when you're 42. Do you no, know what I mean it's uh...
3: just a society. You know, something to provide a great net benefit to society. Or you can be a consistently disappointing wing come fullback for the Blues and
2: Wales. Yeah, with the name like Hallam Moss, he's going to work for Booper, isn't he? That's my oh, yeah. conclusion. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, other news: Tom Curry has joined in the chorus of slagging off Warren Gatland post um, oh, good,
3: Yeah. Lions so, tour. So has Mike Phillips. <laughs> I enjoyed that. It's very funny. Was that, I wasn't uh,
2: even there, but I think he's shit.
3: <laughs> well, though, no, it's uh, Mike Phillips has got a book out, obviously. So, of course uh, obviously, he he's gonna. Is this absolutely... his fourth
2: book now or something?
3: <laughs> he's gonna slag off. Uh, yeah, his. What better way to get publicity for his book than to, uh, to slag off? Basically, it does show that all of these people who claimed that the book's called Half Truths by the way which is a very funny title I'll give him that Very good. um very good. but <laughs> all these people who for like three consecutive Lions tours have basically claimed that Warren Gatland is playing favourites and are, he's, you know he's only picking those guys because he, he likes the Wales boys and he's you know he fit you know he'll feel like he's got to pick them otherwise they'll be really angry with him the complete and utter lack of any sentiment consistently displayed by Warren Gatland when he no longer has use for a player is ice cold and remarkable and should instantly throw any of those notions directly into the bin because he basically says that in his last season with Wales like he got into a he nearly got into a fight with Gethin Jenkins in the training room because Mike was being a bit of a prick And after that, Rob O'Leary and Juan Gatlin barely spoke to him for the entire last year of his career. (laughs) (laughs) Literally, outside of telling him when he'd fucked up, they did not barely exchange a word to each other. And then they effectively tried to retire him before the 2015 Rugby World Cup. But then obviously Reese Webb got injured and they had to bring him back. But yeah. And then they just still didn't give him any game time because they just let Gareth Davis and Lloyd Williams have it all, and he got stuck on 99 caps, and he's really bitter about it. And I don't blame him, but you look, you compare that with the Adam Jones situation, where again, you know, i oh yeah, Mike,
2: zero Mike, sentiment. Yeah. Mike,
3: Mike Phillips found out that his Wales career was over on 99 caps via email, which is just unbelievably. Mike, you have not been selected for the 2015 Rugby World <laughs> Cup squad. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, he basically says that Warren Gatland is, a, you know, a fucking android who has no sentiment whatsoever regarding, and can be really nice and personal with you when you're in his good books, but the second that he decides that he no longer requires you, you might as well be fucking dead.
2: I think so, we talked about this before, that the high sociopathy of top-end leaders, you know. Oh, big time. The- there doesn't
3: it? yeah yeah, not yeah. All
2: of, them, of course but yeah there has to be something of being able to just close a door on it and cop because if you if you actually genuinely worried about how you how the people that you drop feel mm. you'd probably well I'm not say you'd never make a decision but you'd probably end up being unable to function because you just feel so utterly terrible all the time yeah
3: and i guess that's why you know like a lot of coaches like Eddie Jones like is doing at the moment you kind of need to recycle the you know you need to refresh the group because people are going to get very jaded and very depressed with it if they're not a certain type of character as well I guess and yeah of course it's very easy with hindsight for Tom Curry to say oh well we should have played a slightly different game it's like well here's an idea Tom maybe you should have not played fucking shit for two test matches (laughs) (laughs) radical (laughs) yeah
2: But, yeah, as Joey Barton says, I was shit, here's my book, is what people who <laughs> come back from the say. Quite. I mean, there's not much to like about Joey Barton, but that line is a good one. I think Indeed. it was about Frank Lampard, I think, having to go at... It was, yeah. Harrison, I think. Um, anyway, so there you go. Any more news from you? No. Okay. So then we will now move into the weekend... When we say goodbye to our non patron listeners,
1: goodbye. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new
0: podcast series with me, Claire McKenna.
1: Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now.
2: We welcome back our non-patient listeners. Hello,
1: hello.
2: of the weekend there, and you bring us back to do shit good. Uh, we do shit first around these parts, don't we? We do. So we do. Have you got any shits?
3: Uh, that we haven't Reece, covered Reece Webb most of the time
1: mm-hmm.
3: however very good is Reese Webb a very small period of the time and it really makes it easy to forget those times when he's an absolute liability the rest of the time because when he does things like making mental breaks and then doing fucking reverse pass offloads for players to try you go oh he's amazing I love him and then you forget that he's been absolute dog shit for the rest of the game I'd rather yes. he just settle at a level of being. Just make your mind up. Be shit or be good. We've got you know how this works.
2: That's so th- that's this is exactly how Eddie Jones views Ben Youngs.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, all the oh, the one one game in three when he does something interesting, oh and yeah. impressive. All he all of the terrible yeah. shit, and I won't do that. I just want to make my mind up.
2: <laughs> uh. What else about got? shit Moggs Jones gets in touch? He says shit is isolating with COVID. Oh, sorry, Moggs, well, sorry about that. He says, Good though, was every Welsh Regions game's been on terrestrial telly?
3: Yeah, they did a, it was w I didn't know they were gonna do that, but they basically ran the entire day of uh, Wales Welsh teams games, which was really good, I thought.
2: And Cardiff Met beat Loughborough on the YouTube. Fair play. Is Cardiff Met still a thing? Yeah. What's the, what's the University of South Wales, then? Is that something different?
3: Yeah, something that used to be uh, the University of Glamorgan. Right. Is the University of okay. South Wales. Cardiff
2: um, Met still
3: a thing. And, yeah, Cardiff Met used to be UIC.
2: University of South Wales, are they based in Cardiff?
3: I've definitely uh, University of South Wales, I think they have got a building in Cardiff, but they were always... Bit, it's not always the one that's in Ponty, Pont- it? it is the one that's yeah. in Ponty. yeah and I think maybe they've definitely got a building in Cardiff now and they've got various buildings around the place but I think it's important yeah they have got campuses in Cardiff Newport and Pontypridd that's too many lads you can't call yourself one uni- can't call yourself one university if you've got campuses in three different major towns/cities
2: and I, and I keep know keeping university southwards because I mean as as the twitter sphere will tell you Pontypridd is 3000 miles away from Cardiff
3: yeah, it's you know. literally, it takes at least. Yes, almost 20.
2: in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. You know, that's why you at can't go and watch start Rugby yeah, in, yeah. The, in the centre of Cardiff. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah thanks, Muggs. Uh, Stumpy Matt gets in touch. He says, shit is Delalio on comms. Uh, always. Yeah, yeah, ever Evergreen suggestion. Any particular reason this week, though? <laughs> Pretty sure he was watching a different game Sunday, the rest of the Wasp game, and The rest was explaining his decisions, and Lawrence was just vibing it and making his own <laughs> decision. Yeah. <laughs> Just driving it is basically Delalio okay. to a T, isn't it? Uh, Jamie Phillips. Hello, Jamie. He says, Shit, is poor Arjun losing their 36th game in a row? I saw that. You have think... to bring back our shit watch. <laughs> Arjun shit watch is coming back. I like, we'll have to keep doing this every week, actually. Have, yeah. have Arjun lost is a feature we're doing every week. <laughs> um, did did Arjun lose? Um, so, losing the 36th game in a row is they lost 46 3 to Van in the Pro-de-deux this yeah, weekend
3: yeah they're bottom of the Pro-de-deux after <laughs> they've they, I think they've not from 7 having basically not won a game all last season either it's it's real bad
2: yes <laughs> uh- as Jamie says, it's an absolute slog being a Dragons fan, but I can't imagine how grim it must be being an Arjun fan. Genuinely. You don't have to imagine, Jamie. That's this that is was what you. the that Dragons was you. were like about five years ago, so well <laughs> four years ago, probably. Yeah, so you don't have to imagine. They have my solidarity, though. Says Jamie. Yes, <laughs>
3: absolutely. Uh,
2: Mary Williams gets in touch and says, "Shit is exodus chiefs trying to use the Native American Guardians Association as a mouthpiece." Maybe this should be another good as BT ended up dropping them because they couldn't verify anything about them. That's what happens when you do your due diligence. The Native American Guardians Association, as far as we understand it, is a bit of a crank organisation, sort of like nebulously funded by the bloke who owned the Washington football team.
3: Yes. Primarily with the aim of, you know, making his... Team's racist name that at the time he didn't want to change. Um, reasonable. We've
2: noticed we've not done Exeter yet.
3: We're about we're to get in there. Now, <laughs> we're yes. getting there. Um,
2: oh, tell it's been else. a big week. I don't think we're going to go. We've been, we've we've vowed to ourselves that we won't go through our usual fucking monologuing, rambling we'll arguments we'll about why we're right. We'll but, yeah. we'll just explain what's going on. But yeah, we'll come into that. Yeah. So. Oh shit! For me,
3: actually. Yeah. Um, sale. Losing at home to Gloucester, or what? Were they away to Gloucester? Either way, no. So yeah. one, no, they lost these. this weekend they... on Friday. Oh, is it? When did they play Gloucester? Was that the week before? What are you doing? Oh my God, I've lost. <laughs> I totally lost lost your mind. I've lost my mind. Oh, fair play then. I guess the mind. There'll gym be Harlequins
2: on Friday night.
3: Oh, of course they did. Yeah. See, it's working. The mind gym, a gym for a mind. It's finally <laughs> paying off. Sanderson said about rapid quirks... Uh, I need a mind gym, a gym for the mind. You do, it Clearly. would seem,
2: yeah. Uh, Pat Sanderson said... Uh, I keep calling him Pat Sanderson, that's his brother. Alex Sanderson <laughs> oh, said man, about... Oh, his entire
3: uh, life has been that, though.
2: About Quirk's um, selection for England, he said that um, Eddie Jones is one of the biggest or brightest thinking coaches in the world. So, whatever well, he's that bright, why hasn't he got a mind gym? A <laughs> yeah, gym for a gym the for mind, the fucking then, Alex. mind, exactly. Hey, can't be that bright, can he? Um <laughs> <laughs> have you made that? By the way, oh yeah, Josh. Made for those who can't see it, it's popping up a picture. It's perfect as well. It looks like a really it's, really Al- shit it's online course against, yes. presented by a grifter. So
3: <laughs> it's Alex Sanderson leaning against the bar of what looks like a Weatherspoon's <laughs> with a, a, a serious chain on him there. Actually. What is the
2: chain all about? I don't know. It's weird. Is it a Beastie Boys thing? Is it a VW? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um,
3: Anyway, have you watched
2: yeah. that on Apple TV, by the way? The Beastie Boys. No, I
3: really want to watch that. It's that they do it, it live the on the
2: stage. It's really good. Spike Jones directed it. It's very good. Oh, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, I've, it's been one of those ones that's in my watch list for ages. But... but like
2: PowerPoints going on behind them and stuff, and just mm. them telling the story. It's really good. Oh awesome. Uh Ron oh, Swanson man. gets in touch, linked to this, and said that shit is Nick Kane, the fellow white middle aged expert and and fellow white middle-aged experts on racism. <laughs> this is if you haven't seen it. Nick Cave is a columnist in the rugby paper, and he's he's their chief reporter.
3: He's their chief reporter.
2: I never got anywhere near the rugby paper. I mean, it was just a don't know a, a, a sort of like imagine trying to plait together diarrhoea <laughs> as a sort of column of the shittest takes you've ever seen.
3: It was spectacularly. It was laughably shit. There is, like... It's
2: like it wasn't... I mean, speak to me. It's like it wasn't even edited properly because he just kept jumping. To, there was, yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. a thread to it, wasn't there was it? was no. Awful. It
3: was incoherent, angry <laughs> rambling against the world becoming a more tolerant place. <laughs> Honestly. And then, of
2: course... <sighs> and then, of course... um then people started showing me examples of his other columns, which was basically being a huge <laughs> apologist for Joe Marler, saying, Gypsy Boy, where's your caravan? To uh, Yeah. To Samson yeah. Lee. It literally said, Let, boys will be boys or something. <laughs> he literally did the joke, Simpsons judge defence. Yeah. I move for a motion of boys will be boys, Your Honour.
3: It's, yeah, it's real, just... Baffling stuff. It's like that bloke who used to write, do stuff on French rugby, who then wrote something in The Spectator last week about how that fucking yeah, far right bloke is in, a breath I? of fresh air for French politics. It's like
2: fucking hell, mate. I know you stopped tweeting, but what have you been doing? Like the over 50s echelon of rugby writing is just a load of old cranks, isn't it's it? It's real bad, man.
3: And I mean, it we'll come on to Exeter in a minute, but like the whole fucking, like right. what the, the Avengers of twat that Tony Rowe has pulled together.
2: Should we do a good, I mean, it's, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, good, yeah. but it is good. Cause doing it was good. so terrible. Yeah. It was so their attempt to somehow swim against the tide.
3: Yeah. Rob Kitson's thinking. fucking bootlicking article. <laughs> One of the worst things he's ever written. And that is a real fucking like, Claim, because, but it was just hilarious. Like he did. Also, did you did you hear Tony Rowe ringing into Radio Exeter as well? no I've missed that one. <laughs> he, <laughs> he fucking rang into. He fucking called into Radio Exeter to, to, basically, to fucking, kick off about the fact that Radio Exeter were talking about the <laughs> the situation, <laughs> and Tony Rowe likes to listen to Radio Exeter in between. You know the Magic FM level music. You know, he doesn't like to hear people badmouth in his club. And it was fucking deranged stuff. Like, pro- he was properly... I tuned
2: in, expecting On the Wings of Love to be playing, <laughs> instead i listening to this. It was that level. And it was like,
3: you you got the feeling that by the end of the week, he was real spinning out. Like, he was properly, <laughs> like, he he had come off his axis and he was not having a good time. <laughs>
2: I want enough on my plate trying to build this <laughs> fucking business park. It's just a fucking field, I tells thee. <laughs> Apparently they said it's an archaeological site. It's a fucking nightmare. There's <laughs> fucking there's nothing there. <laughs>
3: oh. But yeah, maybe he needs I to. Don't we
2: shape like a fucking triangle? It was, I thought it was a square when I bought it. It's a fucking nightmare.
3: Maybe he needs to do some human flagging. Chill out, human a bit.
2: flagging. Maybe he yeah. needs. Well, yeah, indeed. Yeah. So anyway, but anyway, so yeah. You're this just going week, to the battery of pictures uh, yeah. you've got teed up, aren't you? It's
3: terrible. <laughs> very um, I mean, I've, I've also got Saracen's new evil owner on there, just in case we ever need <laughs> it. Fucking Lord Voldemort himself over it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, uh, if we're going to talk about goods, what a remarkable week it has been for the whole Exeter thing. Yeah,
2: because everyone all this... knows what we want to happen here, right? Mm. So we're not going to go into that and the reason no, why we if, think that. If it to... does feel like a turning point yeah, this week.
3: If you'd it? have told us, you know, four or five years ago when we were fucking started moaning about this issue that in even a few years after that, you'd have one of the other premiership clubs actively saying, you know, making the, their club's official position that Exeter's branding was cultural appropriation. I would never have... And that was just fucking Tuesday. Like, <laughs> it's been... What, like, the work that the Chiefs for Change group and their allies have done in the last 18 months to make this an issue that yeah. has transcended dickheads like us arguing with people on Twitter and making it a mainstream issue that receives a 30 minute segment on BE Sports flagship rugby programme. Like it's just I cannot be in any less awe of the work and the effort that they and the commitment that they have, not just to doing the right thing, but also just the love for their club you know in the face of some fucking horrible shit from a horrible, you know a really oh, nasty an absolute minority
2: seven bore of absolute yeah. toss pots and they and they still the them,
3: yeah. love their club enough and the faith that they have in their club that it can be changed to be a true reflection of rugby's values and its own values is fucking <laughs> remarkable and i'm so happy for them that you know no matter how many fucking gamony stooges Tony Rowe can find in the rugby press to talk shit on his behalf. Which is increasingly like, not many. Which isn't... even that like, at least five you
2: can write eloquently on your behalf. Even that, you know? even that
3: Rob Kitson thing, which was the most amazingly low-tariff puff piece where he didn't challenge any of Tony Rowe's absolute nonsense proclamations, there was still a little fucking dig at the end where he's like, well, he's got a fucking... Weird Native American head in Exeter colours on his office wall. That's a bit fucking weird. <laughs> like even Rob, you know, <laughs> Rob is like, you know, his best fucking mate in the media. The only reason he got that interview was because Rob was like, "Look, I'll go easy on you." And yeah. even so, I literally there was wrote still... a book
2: saying you were ace, yeah. you remember? Yeah. You know, you can speak. Like to
3: literally me. about four months ago, I wrote that book. But yeah, I thought Stephen Vaughan, the Wasps CEO, was speaking to Sarah Elgin on Saturday before the game was just like, I couldn't believe it because he was just saying all of the things that I wanted him to say. And it's the <laughs>
2: fact that he fronted up, actually. He could have even yeah. just got his PR concert, everything's an our statement, no, I don't need to say anything more. But no, he actually stood there, looked him in the eye. And as I said, I mean, I was quite impressed with him because... He kept saying he wasn't judging anybody. No. Meanwhile, <laughs> everything else he said was clearly saying this is a disgrace <laughs> yeah. and I am judging you yeah. very, very much. Yeah, and he said
3: that you know he said all of the right things, you know, if rugby wants to be a global game, if rugby yeah. wants to be inclusive, if it wants to we're talk about We're all on a fucking... journey,
2: we're all thinking deeply yeah. about these things. Yeah. If
3: we if we want to try and talk about rugby against racism and wear that on our shirts and have it on the fucking bottom of the screen, you cannot pick and choose what racism you care about. And that, you know. To a CEO, you know, there are fucking thirteen CEOs in Premiership Rugby Limited, and one of them said that. And what's more, he said that he was saying that, and the reason they put their statement out when they did was because other Premiership clubs share that you know share their concerns about Exeter. And that was why let's they want play
2: the who shares their concerns. Game <laughs> <Yeah. of Malira.
3: laughs> yeah. let's have a look at who <laughs> took the knee, and we'll take it from. Exactly That's what I was thinking? Bristol <laughs> took the knee. They're probably and their definitely. Kids. And that's the thing, though. This, uh, Saracens, all in that, knowing that they might they might well be next in the firing line, or are, the, are they on the side because they just fucking hate X. <laughs> like, who knows? I mean, I'd be yeah. intrigued to find out. But yeah, really interested. To see, because, you know, he also said that Hugo Monye and the diversity and inclusion group want to have a look at it, despite the RFU going, oh, they can't do anything. They can't do anything. They can't make any proclamations. They clearly still want to have a fucking
2: look at it. But I mean, fair play to him. He obviously feels pretty strongly about it because he doesn't have to put his club in the way of it. No. This. He could have kicked this into the long He said they'd, he review, it, did they? They said they'd review it. He absolutely did not. He said they'd review it, didn't yeah. they? And they could have kicked it in the long grass for fucking months and not come yeah. back on this. But obviously, they, you know, they, they, I mean, you know, let's be honest, you know, None of us have been that complimentary about wasps in the Traitor Dome and all that kind Ooh. of stuff. But he's obviously looking about himself and saying, this is not what we want to stand for. And no, I, we, sorry, was, this is what we want to stand for. Yeah. And we want to make it very clear there's a it. line in the ground here. Yeah. There's a stake in the ground here.
3: And I thought it was really interesting that he said, you know, as part of their, you know, following Black Lives Matter <laughs> some
2: thing. Some <laughs> says, it's, it's absolutely,
3: absolutely not under <laughs> Irish. I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, like you know, he said that it might be. It just plays into it.
2: It's it's just... Just... So this is what's started with London Irish. So you're creating this kind of malaise around your club. Yeah, this, is, well, this is
3: exactly what's happened with Exeter. Everybody's got you know. When I, I'm sure there are just as many fucking wingnut fucking conspiracy theorists at every rugby club because fucking rugby players are perfect fucking fodder for that kind of nonsense, and yet. Everybody just talks about Exeter being the fucking 5G, not lunatics, because the whole vibe around their club creates this perpetuating thing. And that's the thing that, you know, I don't mind that people said that they wished wasps had gone further. And I think we all do and said, you know, we don't want that fucking shit in our stadium. <laughs>
2: That's why but, Joseph dropped under that bird. Maybe oh, I can't. Yeah. I can't be having that round of squad mate. <laughs> the guys are fucking learning.
3: <laughs> but yeah, they you know they they fucking chucked the pebble down the mountain now wasps, and even within a week, it's already building into an avalanche. Like we haven't even spoken. Like <laughs> we haven't even <laughs> spoken about the biggest thing, which was rugby tonight on Sunday. Which I was so nervous about beforehand when I heard it was I happening. Because
2: I was like, I mean, I thought it would be a bit of a stitch up, John, to be honest. Same.
3: Wanna... Well, because I've, the next chief Chains have sent people onto Five Live a couple of times now, or onto mm. LBC or whatever. And both time, ty- like every time, like even though the people are given a real good account of themselves when they've been on there, like the presenter every time has tried to ambush them and shout them down with all the usual nonsense that has fucking clogged up my Twitter mentions for the last five years and hasn't really seemed that interested in making a, you know, actually having a deb- uh, letting them have their say. Whereas and I've, we've become so used to these debates on telly where one side has like a reasoned valid point and the opposing view is a fucking lunatic or a bigot or both. And both are given equal measure. And I was just so refreshed that, like, and I respected the fuck out of the pack that BT, for the most part, like, Bayfield, Topsy, Ojo, and Ben Kay just left it to the opinions of the people who actually matter in this, which is, you know, in this case was Leandra and, and Jen Nolcamper who I hadn't heard anything from no, before. I, no, I was hugely I impressed with her. She was really fucking spot on as well. They made um, the
2: points but... really strongly. And then, and of course, then I think we said, off our fair, didn't we? I don't think BT Sport want to publicly come out and say, stop doing this because that would be just too much PR and aggro. But I do think they kind of used – and I don't mean it's terribly. they kind of used a bit of a proxy segment on a show to say this yeah. is clearly what we think. Because yeah. he went through to Ben K, who looked fucking terrified, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. See how, like, he was like, shit, I'm going to have to <laughs> say something. And he, and he, 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 he actually he's – a, he's, he's a bright bloke, Ben K. And he, yeah, and he, he danced is. around and sort of said – what you find is when things get rebranded, people just forget about it that it was. Yeah, the thing the, I year. thought his so what, one of the why, best. You know, it was yeah. one of
3: the best points he made was, well, everyone kicked off about Bristol Bears, and then within two yeah, years, nobody, nobody gave a it, fuck but, yeah. because they yeah. kept winning, and that's all. That no, really but anyway, matters.
2: you know, it's just yeah, nothing will happen. You know, it just you, you get over these things. Let's just move on, sort of thing. Yeah, and they and they were so like even Top Ojo he, was very good as well. Yes, he was if, you really know, good. It. Stuff we didn't know back then, and yeah.
3: I I, I think that's the thing. When they did bring up these kind of opposing views, they presented them in a way that was basically like, well, obviously this fucking lunatic thinks this effectively... What do you say to that? And then they let yes. them just instead of going. Well, actually, some people think that you know it's it's though, it is isn't it? Yeah, it's just it? being You know, awkward, you know
2: so yeah. Was, there
3: was no aggressiveness. There was no attempt to sort of entrap or catch anyone out. It was just allowing these people whose are the views that actually matter. You know, people like Leandra, people like Jen, who are the the only voices in this that really fucking matter.
2: And of the general, I'm in Texas and I watch it every week. Yeah, <laughs> I watch the Premiership every, every week, every single yeah. week.
3: Yeah, and I see this every week. It's ah, uh, it, it, right. it, it felt like a real sea change moment for the whole thing. And
2: I, I get like, since it's, I mean, we're all going to be bitterly disappointed, probably. With well, a couple of weeks, the whole point know, about excom,
3: we haven't spoken about the fact that yeah, Tony Rowe says that he's going to leave it up to the members, but. The members are not the season ticket holders. This is not Barcelona. No, this is not, you know. There's a couple of hundred of them. There's a 10-year waiting list for it, and most of them are Tony Rose mates. Just like, you know, he said he was like, oh, he's a democratic dictator. He's effectively the dictator of Banana Republic, and he's just doing what a dictator in a Banana Republic does when they want to have a sham election. No, he's, he's effectively running unopposed, and he's never going to open the fucking polling stations unless he knows there's a hundred percent chance he's going to win. But I don't think that matters. If the, even if the members fucking say, "Yeah, we're totally behind you, Tony. We fucking love you." It doesn't change the reality of the situation.
2: <laughs> I think a lot of them will go nim nim yeah. As well. Yeah, they will that's what, that's what, that's what, that's
3: what keep that out of their argument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and you know, it's. <laughs> It's happening, you know. I don't. the The momentum is such now that it feels like <laughs> to sort of, you know, the gravitational pull of the right side of history is so strong on Exeter now that they can either sort of lean into it and get through, or they can burn up on reentry. And it will be entirely up to Tony Rowe what happens. And we know that he is a uniquely stubborn bastard, even that amongst... That was Ben
2: Gay's point, wasn't it? Yeah. From a business point of view, why do you keep doing it? Why do you want to be the business guy? Aren't they the ones that do all that cultural appropriation? hundred percent,
3: yeah. It's like it is bad for X's as business. Evidently, you know, he can talk as much as he wants about fucking shirt sponsors and commercial stuff. The fact that X to have nobody to go on the front of their shirt is entirely because... People go, oh, aren't they the... If you've got to throw your money at a rugby team, why the fuck would you throw it against the one that has an absolutely foul stench following them around everywhere? And now that it's been on BT Sport, in the sort of profile that it has, and in the press in the profile that it has this week, there's no putting that fucking genie back
2: in the bottle. Oh. And as you said, I think to go back to the very beginning of your point, this is all testament to the people involved in Cheese for Change who have politely... And uh, considerately and consistently applied themselves to this argument in the face of some pretty awful shit, to be honest. Yeah, and it's all power to them. So,
3: and they've and they've not always been nice about it. And you know, a bunch of people have sort of, you know, kind of said in the afterwards, like. Oh, you know, if you'd have just been nice about it from the start, then they probably would have just changed it. I remember when Dr. Stephanie Pratt, who's an academic from the Crow Creek, Dakota heritage, uh, was interviewed by Devon Alive in August 2016, right? And she respected that, and this was like the second or third time it had come up. And she respectfully basically said, please stop doing this. It's really offensive to Native Americans and First Nations people. I will help you as an academic and a person with connections to various tribes in America to find ways to work with native American groups so that you can create a branding that shows the actual respect and honor in the way that the, you know, you always claim that you want to do to my people. And their response was no comment and a bunch of people abusing it on Twitter. And that was what, (laughs) you know, no comment was what all Exeter got from us until last year, until. You know, ex the chiefs of change guys started making a right fucking stink, and people might have got angry well, they weren't
2: about they it. weren't horrible about it. No, they made a stink. i called the point that it has.
3: They to called stop. it yeah. what it. You know, they. It's like what, what's called it. John Lewis, the civil rights fucking icon who died yeah. last year, good trouble. That's what the you know.
2: Yeah.
3: Ex the yeah. chiefs of change guys made good trouble. They were not afraid. They did not always keep a fucking civil tongue. Because if you're not making life uncomfortable for people who cling to these harmful, outmoded ideas, they'll ignore it. And sometimes that inspired anger and sometimes that, you know, degenerated into horrible fucking abuse. But ultimately it sparked discussion and it sparked debate and it sparked awareness. And, you know, that's what that's what
2: that's, I didn't that's see got much us that. where I we didn't are. I've always just seen them always very reasonably responding with Maybe you should read this, and I don't agree with you, but let's. Maybe we should read that. So I didn't see it, but which, and I don't blame them for losing the shit sometimes in the face of what they were doing. No, were,
3: I'm not saying that they, with. I'm not saying that they ever called them cunts like I did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, or, you know, calling a bunch of fucking racist shitbags or whatever. But like, you know, they were not afraid to say that, like, it was racist. That, it, you know, they were not afraid yeah. to, to sort of And people who were sort of truculently opposed to it they were not afraid to say well you know if you're just going to stick with that then you're going to you know you're marking yourself out in a certain way and i i just respect like they it would not have happened without people calling extra you know joking about them being a bunch of racist cunts for the last few years without the Chiefs of change guys getting banned from their own clubs facebook groups for refusing to shut up about it like it's not always been pretty and it's certainly not always been correct and the ideal perfect way to go about it. But it was also necessary to get to this point where hopefully everybody can sort of learn and grow and move on because I genuinely believe there doesn't have to be winners and losers in this fight now. Like mm. surely we're at the point now where education, understanding, this is not an opinion issue. This is just a right and wrong thing. I I get why people are tightly held on to this brand and why they love it so much, why we need to work with them to help them let go, to see that it's not the face paint or the war bonnets or the chanting that makes X to the special club that they love or makes their fan. base. you don't have to lose anything by getting rid of these things. And that's the phase where I think we're at now. (laughs) It's like the shouting is over. We've won. Like. (laughs) I'm saying this to most of the people who are listening to this who probably agree with us. Like, you know, we have basically won the argument now. Enough people are on our side that the momentum seems pretty fucking unstoppable. Maybe it isn't. Maybe we've got a long way to go. But, like, I think that part of the the fight is over. We're kind of into the hearts and minds bit now. And maybe that (laughs) does mean we need to be a bit more fucking... Understanding with people and try to fucking bring them to Jesus their own way, but yeah, I don't know. I just I, I I hope it's the end of the or the beginning of the end of the nastiness and that people can just kind of move on,
2: yeah. Uh, Ian McGilp, uh, linking into that, said, "Good is in what I feel like is is a turning point. BT Sport finally acknowledging the issue of Exeter's branding and having an actual adult discussion about what is essentially racist fancy dress." I think that kind of sums up everything we've just said, to be honest, Ian. Yeah. yeah. I you're right. However, Ian does say, "Shit is I live in Newcastle, where it feels like this weekend the entire fucking city is dressed as a shake." <laughs>
3: I'm so glad we're not a fucking I mean, that's not, football podcast.
2: That's not problematic at all, is it?
3: <laughs> oh my God, I'm so glad we're not a football podcast.
2: I mean, podcast. you know, being, becoming like, you know, a soft power move for a despotic murderous regime in itself is obviously bad enough. Yeah. but then celebrating celebrate it with racist dress-up, lads. By Jesus. putting an elastic band and a fucking tea towel around your head and dancing to fucking whatever... <laughs> would you think is some track downloaded <laughs> off youtube that people in saudi arabia might listen to do you see the Incredible bloke that had
3: a, a newcastle striped fucking full shakes outfit? where the fuck did he get that from he's, he's had that literally on the go for 6 months waiting for this to happen
2: the sad thing is if i was to have a new a premiership team and if mm-hmm. you know if you say who's your premiership because my team is all athletic and they're a fucking shit bag but it is Newcastle United because of my dad and mm. my family and all that stuff. So, actually, I'd love to see Newcastle do very well, but it's hard <laughs> what to, cost, to, to swing in behind yeah. it. Yes. Yeah.
3: The human cost of getting into the Champions League <laughs> <laughs> is quite horrible. Uh, yes. Anyway.
2: Ryan Lowe says, "Good back of the rugby for a minute, he says, is the irk and all its warts and fans and refs and the lot. Yeah, that's the really
3: i hard agree. He says, however good.
2: shit is the experience of being a
3: Lions fan. <laughs> I would imagine. Uh, good for me. Yeah. Jazz Joyce's single-handed brilliance making the Wru not be pricks, which is like, <laughs> yes, she's indeed. so good. Uh, I like to think that Nigel Walker, decent man that he is, would have sorted out women's rugby as a matter of urgency anyway, but there's very little doubt that Jazz Joyce going public about how she's basically <laughs> about to become unemployed. Um has sped up the whole thing. You know, she's the best player in the world. She's probably the most exciting outside back in rugby. And such is the force of her brilliance. It's forced the WRU into funding women's rugby. What next? Can she sort the pandemic out? Does she have a word with Tony <laughs> Rowe. She signed for Exeter and sort that out. I don't know.
2: Nothing that woman can't do. It genuinely, can't. I
3: don't think there's anything she can't do.
2: Gary Ocker gets in touch. He says, good is the intensity of the Stormers game. There were some massive hits between Moriarty, Wainwright, Basham and the Stormers back row. It made me wince watching it. Mm. A friend of ours, Gavin, said that Ross Moriarty has the energy, everything he does has the energy of a coked up bouncer who's not allowed to see his kids anymore. <laughs> and it's so spot on. Yeah. I laughed about it for about an, an, <laughs> at least 24 it's hours true. afterwards.
3: It is extremely true. <laughs>
2: Andy Payne says, good is the fella getting helped out by the medics at a Newcastle football game. Yeah, I I did see that, actually.
1: Yeah.
2: And the players that helped draw attention. Shame it wasn't rugby, though, because obviously, yeah, it's it's confusing, isn't it, Andy? It's confusing how that happened in football, because surely (laughs) in football you just let people die at the side of their pitch, because, you know... (laughs) Because it's not like rugby. No. Uh, Derry Gasman gets into touch. He says, "Good as John Cooney trolling Premier Sports for getting all his stats completely wrong." He did wrong.
3: get all of his stats wrong. It was impressive. <laughs> the only thing they got right was his age. They couldn't even get his height right.
2: Although he Which claims he pointed to five, out to
3: them, he claims to be five foot eleven, and I called big old bullshit oh, on that. Yes. Fuck Come off. On, Is he five foot eleven. He's closer uh, to the five foot eight that Premier Sports said he was.
2: Ian Ferugia says good is shithousery by the Was social media channel for their game against Blank Badge.
3: Yeah, enjoyed that. Uh,
2: Patrick Vieira says good is Burns double volley for Munster's first try against Connors. Whether he was offside or not, the first touch especially was a thing of beauty.
3: I love how how you graded Patricia to manager of Christopanis and Arsenal legend Patrick Vieira from Patricia Vieira
2: there. Did I say Patrick Vieira? (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) Did I? <laughs> Fucking hell. Sorry, Patricia. <laughs> I thought Lord I, above.
3: I thought I'd just save you a tweet.
2: <laughs> she's not even a French Vieira either. No, she's exactly, actually... she's
3: a Portuguese Vieira. We've discussed this yeah. on the pod in the past.
2: Um, but yeah, I love the fact that the first touch was glorious and then yeah. he went full shit out and like steamed straight through for the next one and nearly knacked himself. So which is... And then and then everyone was like, oh, this looks Ooh. really bad. And two minutes later, he was just open jogging yeah. back to No, his fine, position. actually. Yeah. <laughs>
3: So anyone else is good on the monster front. Actually, massive fucking props to Keith Earls for coming out and telling the world that yes, he's bipolar because it it's yeah another step in normalising that conversation around mental health. Do you see that um that British Medical Journal study about Super League players last week? No, I did not. Found out that it was a thing into the mental health of Super League players and 14% of them uh, were suffering from moderate to severe anxiety and across the board instances of anxiety and depression were higher in pro athletes that they measured than in the general population and I mean this is not a shock when you think about the pressure that their job is yeah quite yeah but like yeah it's absolutely entirely undiagnosed and untreated that so many athletes have got huge anxiety problems and depression and all of this stuff think
2: about your job right And I I go to meetings in my job. Some meetings are quite big meetings. Mm -hmm. And I think I get anxious about whether it's going to go well. And then afterwards you kind of think, oh, you know, I should have made that point and stuff. Mm. Imagine... Imagine what that must be like as a pro footballer, and imagine you have two tossers on a podcast at the week after the weekend pointing yeah. out where you did it all wrong. Imagine somebody podcasted my performance at work. <laughs> I'd have to fucking have a thick yeah. skin about it, wouldn't I? Exactly. Yeah, given what I've done. Well,
3: that's the thing, you know. That was the you know, we talked about the ridiculous Sam Warburton thing last week. You know, this is why this whole like oh people in a war have it better. It's like no professional athletes are actually under a kind of weirdly unique level of scrutiny that is only really shared not. with like politicians in and the it's same weird way
2: because in some ways you're not because you get up in the morning and get told exactly where to be what to eat mm. where to run where to stand what to do but then you have this incredible huge mental physical yeah. anxious thing once a week as well it's such a stra- must be yeah, such your a entire week.
3: Life. your entire week is built around a peak on Saturday or Sunday. You're like being a rock Where? star,
2: isn't it? You know, you're building yeah, everything yeah. up to the performance at night yeah. and you got the huge come down. and only end up taking drugs. Yeah. Um, anyway, so let's move on quickly because this mm. has gone on for ages. Yeah, uh, bath Bites says, Bath Bites, I'm sorry, mate. He says, <sighs> Shit. Sitting down at the wreck, hopeful that the Bath have learned their lesson from Bristol game and give Saris a good name. Good game. Sadly, quickly feeling I was in the 19th century watching a public execution. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and finally Alex says good Glasgow I'm genuinely excited every time I see the back line we can put up we're not picking up the bonus points but fourth in the league is a decent start he said however shit is that all of that will be destroyed when we play Leinster next week
3: Yes, (laughs) I mean also (laughs) that Glasgow Glasgow game against Zebra which I watched for some reason I don't know why, because um, <laughs> you love
2: rugby now. You can't for, get enough of it. It's, it. it. it's the so urge. The branding is too much. <laughs> okay.
3: If any team other than Zebra had been playing in that game, Glasgow were fucking dog shit, and they would have absolutely <laughs> battered them. Glasgow, Sorry, Glasgow scored Alex, a couple ask. of really nice tries, and then for the rest of the game, they might they looked like they had fucking dicks for fingers and for feet. It was unbelievably bad. <laughs> but that's where you get when you have a sort of young, exciting backline. That's the you pays you money you take your chances. Sometimes, sometimes it will be good. Sometimes it will be shit, as Giorgio Gatusto once famously said. Sometimes maybe good. Yes. Sometimes maybe shit.
2: I was going to fucking sue that bastard. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> anyway. That's us on that note. Um, Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in on here, the live one. Um, You've seen, obviously, us cock up a few times, so I'll I'll sort that out for the audio. (laughs) Indeed, Uh, Everyone else, thank you very much. Thanks for joining. We'll speak to you again next week. Goodbye. Bye. You might hear the word insolvency
0: and think companies, but insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone. You could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due. You're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay, or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland, or ISI, has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt, from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text get help to five zero zero one five. The ISI together will get you
1: back on track.